All right, everybody, good morning. Um, I hope that uh, this morning finds you uh, well. I know we had a little bit of a noisy uh, wake up this morning, uh, about, what, four o'clock or so. Uh, Corey and I were headed here this morning to church from opposite directions, and we talked about the, the trees that we've seen down between his place in church and my place in church. So I hope everybody's okay, and uh, if you are out and about today, just be careful of, uh, of some of the things that may be, uh, may be down. But again, good morning. Uh, I want to share with you uh, some scripture here this morning, beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 91. It begins this way. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. A lot's happened uh, since we last met. Um, you guys all know about this virus that's sweeping across our world right now, and of course that's why we're online this morning. We've had to change things up here, not only at church, but everywhere we go. It seems like there's new developments that come out about this virus every single hour, and it's tough for us to kind of sort through all these different things, but I think it's very important that we keep things in perspective during this time. As Christians, we are, we are not supposed to be people who are prone to panic and hysteria. We're not supposed to have these knee-jerk reactions. Instead, we're supposed to be people who serve an almighty God, who is in control of everything our God he is mighty and he loves his people with an everlasting love we know that God's in control of everything as Christians that has to be what we look at first in times like these that doesn't mean uh, that as Christians we're going to be immune to this to this virus or that that we won't catch it or even if we do catch it that it won't make us sick what it means is that we have to trust in God's plan. There's an old African proverb that says this. It says, if God's not finished with me, then I can't die. And that's very, very true. So what I want to do this morning is I want to lay out a few examples of how we as Christians, as followers of Christ, can, can go forward in times of uncertainty and of worry like this with confidence in whom we place our trust. So let's go back. We're going to go back all the way to the year 420. 420 AD, the barbarians are invading Rome. The entire civilized world at this time is, is collapsing. Everything that, that you'd known at that time, all the arts and the music and the, the literature, Everything that was going on at that time in the world is being turned upside down and destroyed. You know, the fall of the Roman Empire you know, brings on the, the dawn of the Middle Ages. But during this time in 420, there, there was two people, two people in particular 
that I want to talk about who were church leaders who were very, very influential at the time. The first, his name was Jerome. I don't know why they, they always just have the first name, but it, I'm sure it was Jerome something. But he was from the area of Rome called Striden. And he's the guy that basically translated the Bible into Latin. The other guy was the one we know as St. Augustine. As the Romans, or, I'm sorry, as the barbarians stormed the, the city of Rome, Jerome was distraught. He was terrified. He got so upset and so beside himself that he went out of town and he went into isolation in a cave. He became so depressed and so despondent that he died. He died there in that cave by himself. He died because society and civilization and the culture as he knew it was basically over. He felt that there was no hope and he basically gave up. Now, the other leader, Augustine, wrote a little book called The City of God during this time. And he took an entirely different approach than what Jerome did. Augustine basically says this. He says, there is a city of man which is shifting and changing all throughout human history. Empires rise and fall. Economies grow large and robust, and then they collapse. Time marches on, but the city of God endures forever. It's eternal, and it's the goal of every believer. Well, Augustine, he went on to live another 10 years after the fall of the Roman Empire before dying at the age of 75. He went on during this time to teach and to preach and to evangelize, writing many more books and making a difference in the kingdom of God here on earth. The difference between Jerome and, and, and Augustine was their perspective and their, and their view of, of God's authority and his goodness during times like we're in right now. And the main difference between these two men was simply where they had placed their hope. Now fast forward, uh, you know, over a thousand years now, and we're in the 1500s. The bubonic plague breaks out and it starts to spread across Europe. And in 1527 or so, I think it, it hit the country of Germany. Now, people knew it was coming, much like we know today about this virus. We knew it was going to spread. And they began to panic. They began to flee. They began to leave Germany in mass. Hysteria and fear and panic were rampant. It was very real during this time. And I've got to be honest with you, it was justified. Nearly 60 million people worldwide died from the bubonic plague. There's no cure. I mean, there was nothing. They, if you got this disease, you were going to die. So people panicked. They fled. It was almost like a stampede. Now, a colleague of mine, Reverend Ken McKinley, tells a story he tells a story of a World Heritage Site in Alberta, Canada. And this site is actually called, it's got a funny name, it's called Head Smashed In Buffalo Jump. It's an ancient hunting ground of the Blackfeet Indian tribe. And basically what would happen is a group of these Blackfoot Indians would ride into a herd of buffalo on horseback and they would be whooping and hollering and making all kinds of racket and they would get to the, to the head of this herd of buffalo and they would incite panic. Well, the buffalo would begin to run and, and they would direct the bulls of the herd at the lead towards a cliff. 
This is why it's called head smashed in buffalo jump. The whole herd would follow those in front and they would go off the cliff to their doom. And it's interesting because it only took a few buffalo to incite the stampede. The rest just blindly followed the leaders. You could probably figure out that this happened over and over again and it was a very successful hunting technique for the Blackfeet Indian tribe. Well, the, the Black Plague, like I say, is, is spreading now across Germany. And people acted a lot like this buffalo herd we just talked about. They stampeded. Not knowing where they were going to go or how they were going to survive, they were going to leave their farms and their jobs and their livelihoods and just run. Martin Luther and his wife Catherine were in Germany during this time. And after spending a lot of time in prayer, they decided that they weren't going to run, that they were going to stay. And they decided to stay because they saw a huge opportunity for ministry. They turned their home into a hospital and they began to, to minister to shut-ins and everyone that was affected by the plague. Now we jump ahead again now from, from 1527 now to 1918. The Spanish flu epidemic is now broken out in the world. And much like the bubonic plague, more than 50 million people will die worldwide from the Spanish flu. And in, 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 in part of that, 600,000 will die just in the United States alone. Now, I found some headlines from that time period that I, that I found pretty interesting because they mimic a lot of what we're seeing today. In Buffalo, New York, the mayor ordered all places of worship to be closed, and churches would just meet outside in open-air meetings. In Alexandria, Louisiana, a pastor named W.S. Black explained to the local paper that he could not in good conscience keep his church closed despite an order from the mayor. He said when pool halls and grocery stores are allowed to remain open and more people congregate in those places than they do at my small country church, I can't close my doors. In San Francisco, California, Reverend John Henry, the pastor of San Francisco First Baptist Church, held open-air services on the front steps of his building because the city had closed his church. And in Baltimore, Maryland, Christians who tried to go to church were arrested for violating stay-at-home orders. So what does all this mean for us today? Well, it means this. When we look back at Christians who have gone before us and Christians who, who have dealt with far worse than what we're dealing with today, what we see is we see men and women who stood in faith on God's word. We see men and women who understood that there were, yes, there were serious risks involved but they understood that ultimately God is in control. What we see is, is men and women, instead of giving in to fear or this, this herd mentality like we talked about with the buffalo, they saw things like this as an opportunity to give the world who is asking questions answers that only God's word is going to provide. Y'all, just this month alone, just this month alone in Italy, over 60 priests have died ministering to those who are sick in the hospitals in that country. 
They knew the risk and they ministered in spite of it. The secular world out there, y'all, can't offer real hope. They can't explain to you and I what's going on. But God's word gives us hope. It gives us security and it gives us peace and comfort in times like these. It gives us an understanding of the, the what and the how and the why of it all. I don't know about y'all, but as I read that, God, God fills me with comfort and, and peace. It gives me joy in times of sadness like this. It puts me at ease and it reminds me of how big our God actually is. It reminds me that he ultimately is in control. It reminds me that he is able to protect me despite of what the world is telling me. My God keeps me safe. My God will fight for me. It should remind us that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, as it says in 1 John 4, 4. It reminds me that if God is for us, who can be against us in Romans 8, 31? And it should remind us that our lives, our well-being <clears throat> are in God's hands. He is our refuge in our fortress, like we saw in Psalm 91 this morning. What it means is that he is our rest. He is our protection. He is our security. And he alone will keep us well and healthy and safe. <clears throat> and so I want to encourage all of you this morning to put your faith on display for a world that right now is completely and totally consumed in fear. Let your light shine in this world that is, that is walking in darkness every day. Take this opportunity to share the gospel. Share it with others. Share the peace and the comfort and the joy that comes with Jesus Christ with others in times of their need. Take this opportunity to give others the hope that you have inside of you. This is unprecedented for our, uh, for our generation, for even our, the generation before us, our parents, the, the greatest generation of all. Yes, they, they went and they survived and endured during World War II. They survived the Great Depression. But nothing has happened like this to cause panic in our world since the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. And just like the storms that rolled through here early this morning, a lot of people were on edge as they saw the radars flashing and lighting up. They saw the lightning flashing in the sky and those loud crashes of thunder, the horrendous wind and rain that came. But the sun rose this morning. And yes, there was some damage out there. But God is still in charge. We survive and we continue on. I want to encourage you to not be like the buffalo we talked about this morning. Don't buy into the herd mentality and panic in times like these. Yes, listen to the instructions that are given to us by those who are smarter than us in the medical professions. Heed their advice. It'll help keep us safe and healthy. But don't panic. Don't worry yourself sick because your God is in control. He has kept you safe in all times of strife and worry so far, and he will continue to do it as we move forward through these uncertain times. 
I want to encourage you this week to continue to be in prayer for all of those who are working diligently to find answers to this virus that's going on right now. Pray for our hospitals, our emergency workers, our police, our EMS, the folks that are working in our emergency rooms and our nursing homes. Pray for those pharmacists and, and scientists who are working so hard to come up with a vaccine. Draw close to your family at this time. It's a great opportunity for us to, to dig deep into the scriptures and share them with our kids. Teach them what your parents and your grandparents taught you. To not worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but be in prayer about everything. Until we meet again next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, I want to encourage you to do just that. I'm going to upload the audio of, of this morning's sermon to the podcast on Wednesday morning so those who are actually having to work today will have an opportunity to listen. The newsletter has already been mailed out to those uh, this morning, or actually it was mailed out uh, on Saturday, and we're going to upload the digital copy of that newsletter this morning to email. So if you check in your computer today, please look for that copy. It'll be a PDF version for you to look at in your email. And if you have anything that you need, want to add or prayer concern or anything like that you want to add to the newsletter, please email Katie. Her email address is, is part of that at a, that newsletter you'll see the contact information there you'll also find the information in there again about giving you can send your tithe to our p.o box in union grove or you can use the paypal account all this information is is going to be provided to you so you can continue on your church life and be as normal as possible as you can in these times i miss you all uh, it's very odd to be sitting here in a room with just me and corey in an empty building in an empty parking lot it's a little depressing, and I cannot wait till we can get back together and listen to the music and hear your beautiful voices singing, shaking hands and hugging one another again. This too shall pass, Union Chapel, and we will rise like a phoenix from the ashes. Until we meet again, may God bless you all. You good? Alright. How long was that? Uh when I was picked out at